0: Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. The performance
1: rankings, a slight tangent, the crappy quiz, and you had to be there. Five goals in 20 minutes. It's just, you can't do that. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now.
0: The News Round on Off the Ball. With Gilles. We don't just play the game, we change it. Gillette. Made of what matters. This is News Talk. Now, then you're welcome along. So, Netherlands, France, Greece in Ireland's group. About as tricky as it could get, really. If Ireland are going to make Euro 2024 via the group stages, it is going to be a lot of fun. I'm very happy to say Stephen Kenny is going to take a call this hour on the show. So, Stephen Kenny coming up very shortly. We'll have Monday Night Rugby, Fiona Hayes and Jerry Thornley picking through. No other disappointment for Munster. Big win for Connacht in Galway and then. It was 13-tribe uh, bonanza between Leinster and the Sharks on Saturday. And then Dan McDonald will be along for the football show. There is Monday Night Football this evening. We have Nottingham Forest against Aston Villa, the uh, Roy Keane Derby. The Roy it's Keane Roy Management Keane Darby.
1: Derby. Roy Keane Assistant Manager Derby.
0: Roy Keane's on Sky Sports this evening, so he's just on my head there. That's where they got him in. Roy obviously.
1: Keane's association with Villa is tenuous. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: there have been so many good former players telling well, stories about Roy Keane's for time falling there. out with... Various players. Look, we wouldn't have Gabby Agbonlahor making a living in talk sport if Roy <laughs> Keane hadn't gone to Aston Villa. Really. Yeah, uh, you're very welcome, Michael McCarthy. Five three one zero six is the text number. We're out off the ball on Twitter. Rich McCormack with us as well. Hello.
2: Evening, gents.
0: So, Netherlands, France, Greece.
1: Will we top it or will we finish second? What's, <laughs> what's your What's your sense? Yeah. Well, I was already in the ah uh, ffs mood when Greece got drawn out. And then it just—it seemed. I just started laughing. Then I thought it just—it went from disastrous to funny. I'm in the mood to be positive. I think, uh, Joe, and I'm going to say that all of the games will be occasions in their own way, and we should enjoy them. And we'll see where we are. And sure, if we're going to get to the Euros, we're going to have to play these types of teams anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, no point in going to the Euros as Team Twenty Four. Finish last in our group and yeah. if we're not good enough we'll find out so look I, I think France and the Aviva is actually something that's like that's obviously the first game that's something we should be looking forward to and enjoy yes there
0: is the downside of the group of death and then the upside is the amazing games in the group of death uh, Yeah. so France will be uh, March 27 that's standalone like uh, I guess from a scheduling point of view a lot of these games are standalone or they have Gibraltar almost second in a double header which really lets management focus in on those games. So Greece away in June, then Gibraltar, Dublin three days later. September is the tricky one, which is France away. That won't be in the start to France, given there will be World Cup, probably not even in Paris. But France away, three days later, Netherlands at home.
1: That's tricky. What you've just said there is after uh, sending shivers down the spine of an awful lot of people who booked Paris <laughs> flights got to got Paris on yeah. Saturday. They could well be right. I mean, I presume... Yeah. Yeah, Nothing's been confirmed stadium. yet, but I, we the there was that weird thing yesterday where they said that the um, fixtures had to be re-examined because there was a clash. But then they came back out this morning and were confirmed as was, as, yeah. as was. But we don't have venues, so I think that is actually it's important. I think I think if you've booked flights to the Netherlands, you're probably okay. You're going to be able to get around from one city to the other if they go from Eindhoven to Amsterdam or whatever. But yeah, France, you could be in trouble if that's suddenly in Marseille. Yeah. Uh, or Nice or somewhere like that, then there's going to be issues with people who did book flights. But yeah, look, I mean, forgetting about all that stuff for a minute, a way trip to France, a way trip to Netherlands, a way trip to Greece, mm. way trip to Gibraltar, all good trips. There's no Armenia, Kazakhstan, no. etc. No, on the horizon. So I'm again super positive here. Look forward to the Stephen Kennedy interview. Kennedy, <laughs> Stephen Kennedy interview. I know the Ireland manager, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we're going to we're going to Germany, Richie. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not as downcast by the group as, as a lot of people because I kind of looked at it that you know we are third
2: seeds and we were going to get two of those uh, quote unquote big boys in the group. I think it's a realistic aim to to target twelve points from those Greece and Gibraltar games, and if you do, like, there's always that thing of God knows what Dutch team is actually going to turn up in the group. Uh, if there's going to be a change of manager, which I suspect there will be, after the World Cup with Van Hal uh, stepping aside, like they did, that could be anything, and um, they could turn up and and like completely two different teams between those home and away matches. I think France at home as well is a brilliant first fixture to try and you know register something, and if they do manage to take a point from that, then they can realistically target 12 from those Gibraltar and Greece games. Then you never know. I I don't share your respective senses of
0: optimism
1: at all. Hearing somebody else say (laughs) it makes me super cynical. It's a disaster. Oh no! Of course it is. Of course it is. Also, like I don't think we were going to get a big name in pot two regard. There was two big names: France and England. Not big names, but big, big shots, like impossible to beat. Uh, You know, two of the best teams in the world were in there, and then there was a significant drop to the other teams. We could have got Poland's group was a joke, like.
0: Oh, some of them are very appetising, you would say. Now, before we frame this as we've just been very, very unlucky, we have to be very clear and realistic about the fact that Ireland's Nations League performances over the last number of years have meant that we're in pot three as opposed to pot two. Could easily have been in pot two. The, the way uh, Finland have done it, the way uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina have done it, we could have been in pot two. So it's it's really, you know, if you look at the tenure as a whole, you have to say, well, yes, unlucky in this draw, but Nations League performances mean... We were always, you know, in the possibility of being very, very unlucky. So there is that too. Greece uh, already guaranteed of a playoff, by the way. Okay.
1: We're not. So nothing to play for? Well, we don't have anything to play for either, though. That's the thing. It doesn't matter. Our our position in the playoffs is irrelevant to this. uh, No, I know that. Which is stupid, I think. Yeah. Like, I do understand. I like the idea that the Nations League plays into it. But I think if you finish fourth and the team above you finishes third and that. they're out but
0: you're not you know Dan who'll be in actually between 9 and 10 did write a piece today and he, he was just really stressing the point that we have to take the Nations League so seriously going forward because th- these are the real consequences you get a group like this when you're not performing in the Nations League so uh, there is that aspect I think um, our odds of getting into a playoff are okay oh, they're pretty high mm. They're not as good as they were. No, the last time. This isn't it. Well, we got the playoff anyway. Situation. Yeah. This is not. It's far from a guarantee. There's, there's and
1: even then, it's like twelve teams and three go through. Yeah. Oh no. The, once we get to the playoffs, there's all kinds of hazards there. It's semi-final, yeah. final job. We don't know who you'll draw.
0: So what's going on? I thought we, I thought it was just easy to get to the Euros. Now, No I thought, it's not. We're
1: unfortunately. In. Well, like I mean, eventually, I suppose we have to like not lose to Armenia, and hold leads against. Do we need to Scotland expand the number of teams at the European Championships? <laughs> To fifty something, yeah. How <laughs> yeah. <laughs> many teams are there in Europe?
0: Uh, whatever that, however many you're in that Macron European get together last week, that many at the Euros. Uh So uh, here, Joe, does Mick still think the Nations League matches don't matter? As a text in, did you say they don't matter?
1: No, I don't remember, but I, do- I doubt I said that. I think what I was saying was in terms of the Stephen Kenny tenure that the nation, th- this Nations League wasn't what we were going to judge him on. It was the Euros campaign. Yeah, right. I don't think I said the Nations League didn't matter. If I did. I don't know, doesn't sound like something I'd say because I do transition. actually understand how it works. And I actually quite like the Nations League well, as well.
0: I, I suppose Stephen Kenny had to oversee a definite transition period because there was such a, an overhaul required. But I think any future manager, there is no sense of, oh, it's the Nations League, we're building for the Euros or we're building for the World Cup. I think in future it's, if you're not doing well in the Nations League, cut. I don't think we, I, like, never again it can be this oh, it's transitional, it's the Nations League because we're seeing the importance of it.
1: Yes, but I think, I suppose, that, yeah, that in your sense, you're saying don't treat it like friendlies. But And I'm not saying we did or that management did. No, I don't think they did. I think it's where you are in the evolution of your team. I think yeah. there's some campaigns that are going to be thrown away. The World Cup campaign, like the last the, the World Cup campaign was kind of a throwaway well you see it we was, was just over that so, so early away. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was It was deliberate throwaway but it was just over so early oh no it wasn't deliberate but what I'm saying is it's like right we were we were moving on to this yeah. and I think the Nations League is counted in this uh, I don't know what, this window the European Championships window Yeah. Uh, but it's just not like ultimately I think we all knew it was going to go as far as the Euros and see how we get on now you put yourself in a position then to get a draw like this
0: exactly yeah you know
1: and then look i, I don't know I, I think if i think if we don't qualify but do really really well in the playoffs but you know perform well get some results against the dutch and france there's probably another conversation there but the chances are what happens is if we don't qualify there's a new manager for the next world cup it's just you know i mean i just think that that's most likely the way it goes and it's because of not necessarily just un- underperformance but it comes from like the the length of tenure and stuff as well yeah, I, I suppose, Rich, with uh, this group, because Netherlands, France
0: are so obviously superior and Greece is tricky I and mean, Greece in some ways could define how we feel about this group. I mean, if there were slip ups there, uh, then it would be very difficult, I think, to make a strong argument that things are going in the right direction. But it's, it's such a difficult group, it could almost play to Stephen Kenny's uh, favour long term that, well, you know, you can get Pep in, you can get
2: Klopp in, get whoever you want in. That's not a group you can really say Ireland should be getting out of top two. Yeah, I don't think anybody's looking at that group and thinking we're gonna finish in the top two anyway. No. Um I don't think we've much of a chance. And that's like that's just reality. That's not being downcast, that's not being pessimistic, that's just looking at that group and looking at what we have at our disposal and say, yeah, like that's where we are at the minute and that's yeah. okay. Um secondly, I recall a week or so ago. One, Jay Malloy saying, I can't wait until the international break is over so we can stop talking about Ireland in such forensic detail. Yeah, let's move
0: on. You (laughs) you know, you made made the best point of our opener there. So let's (laughs) crack on then, because the news round is brought to you, which will let labs for an effortless finish to your day. Stephen Kenny is with us uh, later on this hour coming up very shortly. Uh, There is the not so small matter of Ireland, Scotland tomorrow, Richie.
2: Yeah, the Republic of Ireland squad have been training at Hamden ahead of tomorrow night's Women's World Cup playoff with Scotland. Should Ireland qualify, the bad news is that Jessica Zo is going to be in a race to be fit for the finals. West Ham confirmed today that the Ireland defender sustained a ruptured ACL while playing in a match against the London City Lionesses. Zew must see a specialist before she undergoes surgery. The Ireland under-19s, meanwhile, lost 1-0 to France in their final group game of the first stage of Women's Euro qualifying this afternoon. Dave Connellside had already secured progress to the next phase before today's defeat in
0: Poland. That is such a pity for Jessica Zew. She's yeah. brilliant in the most recent international window. She's a really good, technical, skillful player, young player, just made the move over to West Ham and to be hit with an ACL rupture is uh, rotten luck, rotten timing, so we wish her well. Absolutely. We commentary of that game tomorrow?
1: Yeah. Um, looking forward to it. I really I actually genuinely can't wait. We were in here for the extra time of Scotland and Austria as it was happening on Thursday, and um, we had Sue Ronan on straight after. But it's funny that Jessica Zoo. We knew she was out for this game, obviously. I mean, um, but we're looking now possibly at the World Cup if, if if Ireland get there. But it does underline the injury issues it shouldn't be underestimated. Like that, you have Megan Connolly, Jessica Zoo, Risha Littlejohn. I'll say Mary at the pitch. You know, oh, missing, there is other injuries as well, but you're thinking like that, that's a huge loss. Like, you know, it's just very hard to overcome that. But, you know, look, I'm, I'm still really positive about tomorrow night. It's just kind of, I'm just, those injuries are just niggling at me a little bit.
0: Yeah. Eight o'clock kickoff tomorrow. We're on the air from seven as usual. There is football the scene in Rich Premier League.
2: Yeah, Nottingham Forest boss Steve Cooper will look to mark the signing of his new contract with just a second win of the Premier League season. Forest welcome Aston Villa to the City Grammar kickoff. is it? eight? Emmanuel Dennis
1: comes into the Forest side. Matty Cash is back for Villa. Against his old club. I've never heard so much about a manager signing a new contract, by the way. Yeah. Then Steve Cooper. It's, it been, it's been like headlines
2: been well, headline news off, for like well, a week. It did come off like literally 24 hours after Steve Cooper is one game away from being sacked. To Oh Steve Cooper's got a new Five year deal He it might still be one the, game away From getting sacked Well that's the thing And now they've got a massive payoff Coming out of Evangelos Maranakis' pocket to, to give to him if they do are But those, it's just I, I've, I've never seen such a Quick turnaround yeah, From yeah. He's no, doomed to
0: He's saved Are those days still in place? Are Nottingham are, are like, not even still giving Cooper A five year deal And if you get the sack We're paying up
2: I'd I, say there's break clauses
0: I, in
3: there
2: yeah,
0: I would there think There has so. to be if they're sensible Yeah. I would think so I think he's in a position really to say oh, Well I want all five years paid up I think it's a club protecting themselves as well I'm sure so the Leinster Sharks match had lots of tries and lots of injuries sadly as well Richie
2: it did yeah and Leinster say Jordan Larmer requires further tests to ascertain the severity of his ankle injury he suffered the injury midway through the first half of that win over the South Sea Sharks on Saturday Rhys Ruddock Luke McGrath and Ryan Bird will all observe the return to play protocols after sustaining head injuries in that game at the RDS, I think perhaps thankfully, given Baird's ap- uh, de- departure from the game, uh, we're lucky it's nothing more than head injury assessment. Uh, James Lowe, Hugo Keenan, Kieran Frawley, Ronan Kelleher all remain sidelined ahead of this weekend's meeting with Connacht. Meanwhile, Leinster have signed former Saracens and London Irish hooker Ty McElroy on a short term contract. Leo Cullen was asked today about McElroy signing.
3: Well, Ty came in and he trained with the senior team during pre season. Um, with James Tracy, being out of action for a while was something that we wanted to explore anyway, um, because you know Dan and Ronan have in recent times been selected for Irish camps. Um, then we have our two young academy hookers, uh, John McGee great to see him come out the bench and score a try the weekend. Uh, Lee Byrne played with Trinity the weekend, so it was great. But with obviously with James out um, and the two lads but more than well, and we hope that both are picked for November. You know, so we just needed a bit. Of additional coverage. So Ty played in the A games, uh, he was involved in those three games, um, and he's gone really well. So he gives it just as something a little bit different. Um, he's built up some decent experience over the last number of years, primarily in England. Um, so yeah, no, it's great to have someone of his experience come into the group. Um, you know, we're down in energy at the moment, so he spent time here as well, come through the pathway obviously with. Um, playing come true in, with, with Dundalk initially so um, played some underage rugby with Leinster as well so no, he's um, he's been a really good addition really really positive I have to say so um, deserves the opportunity and hopefully he can kick on now as well Jerry Turnley and Fiona Hayes
0: on the way after 8 o'clock Ian Madigan bad news for him as well
2: Yeah, he requires a scan on a knee injury. He suffered in Saturday's Ulster win at home to the Ospreys. Kieran Treadwell is going to miss this weekend's game away to the Emirates Lions. He suffered a chest wall injury, Ulster say, in training last week. And Marty Moore is undergoing the return to play protocols this week, having sustained a concussion on Saturday night. Premier League retirement. Yeah, and Brighton midfielder Enoch Mwepu has retired at the age of just 24, having been diagnosed with a hereditary heart condition. He played six times in the Premier League this season with his last game coming inside's 5-2 victory over Leicester. Mwepu, who signed for Brighton from Orby uh, Salzburg last year, has been told he risks suffering a potential fatal cardiac event if he was to continue playing.
0: Hmm. Tough news for him, I guess. At least it's been uh, spotted in, in good time. We'll hear from Jurgen Klopp in just a moment, but there was football last night in the Electricity Premier Division.
2: Yeah, and late drama as well at Tallis Stadium. A Rory Gaffney goal deep into injury time saw Shamrock Rovers re-establish a five-point lead at the top of the SSE Autricity Premier Division. Rovers came from 2-1 down to beat Damien Duff Shelburne 3-2 at a rain-swept Tallis Stadium. Stephen Bradley side entertained Malda in the Conference League on Thursday before a trip to Drada at the weekend. So what is Jurgen Klopp saying after yesterday? Yeah, he's conceded that Liverpool are out of the title race. He uh, didn't take a genius to work that one out. Yesterday's 3-2 defeat away to Arsenal. Leaves last season's runners up 10th in the table and two points behind the side. They beat 9-0 six weeks ago, Bournemouth. Klopp also lost Trent Alexander-Arnold and Luis Diaz to injury at the Emirates yesterday. Diaz will be out until the new year, we've discovered this evening with a knee injury, and the club are still waiting to learn the extent of Alexander-Arnold's problem. However, Klopp remains confident that they can qualify for the Champions League this season. Look, we saw a lot of things, so we have problems in a moment, but we caused the team inform
3: the leader of the table massive problems today, I think, even in a really bad situation for us, with early changes and stuff like this, we caused them real problems. so that's the truth as well. So we have to continue, so of course, in a situation like ours um, Now you play now play Arsenal and now we play Rangers, obviously, and then you play Man City. Is that the perfect opponent for finding confidence back? Probably not. eh? So, but we will go out there and fight, um, and that's what we have to do, and that's what we will do. Um, And we are not here for um, being happy with the situation we are in and stuff like this, and thinking about last year and nearly there, nearly not. Not at all. None of nobody of us is like that
0: hell of a fall from grace to go from last season to we did cause our
1: Arsenal problems today yeah yeah fair point actually yeah a lot of like, Liverpool fans are kind of complaining about the referee and you know I'm not saying they're without a point but the fact is mm. I kind of fancied Arsenal from even before Martinelli scored after a few seconds you know it just it just felt like it was Going to be their day, and Liverpool were doing well to hold on, to hold with them, you know. That Diaz news, like, is uh, um, we we're very upset by that. I, no, I was just surprised. This now, in fairness, I did have to go and check whether Colombia were in the World Cup or not. I didn't realize they hadn't qualified, so <laughs> it's uh, less of a big Good deal now. When thing, you yeah. say the new year, you're just thinking, Jesus the, the, these players now, they don't want to be getting injured right now with the World Cup around the corner. Turns out Diaz and Trent Alexander Arnold aren't are probably not going to the World Cup anyway, so um. Not as big a deal, but not good news for Liverpool. Like, you don't want to, like, Diaz is the one bright spark that they have almost at the moment. I'm so confused by the Salah stuff. Like, I, I watching that game yesterday, and I know Nunes did his stuff, as John Giles would say, um, in the game. But it just feels like he has been demoted, almost, out of the attack. You know, it's like he is just there as a either a decoy on the wing or as a setup man. As opposed to someone who can get into position as the goal scorer that was Liverpool's top scorer for the past however many years. Uh, I know he's not in form. I know he's probably right to be taken off last night, uh, yesterday after, whatever, 60 minutes. Yeah. There's no, uh, there's no problem with, like, taking him off or, or, you know, even dropping him if needs be. But he just does seem to be outside the game plan at the moment, which is the most confusing part of it. Well, I suppose this change of formation with the two midfielders
0: means that Salah, I mean, it's not quite Beckham and Giggs territory. But he does now have to track back because he doesn't have Jordan Henderson behind him to yeah. do his donkey work. And so, in effect, yeah. he is doing a lot more for the team in the wrong direction. And that can't be a lot of fun for him. And, and it does, you know, because and even th- Kenny Cunningham was saying yesterday, uh, uh, we can all picture the moments where Salah would uh, previously track back like to a point, maybe halfway li- way, way line territory, but sort of cheat a bit. Mm. So you you, that formation, if and, and so... Which is there to protect the team as a whole. That formation requires more of him, and so it probably. It do, you're not wrong to say it feels like he's not
1: as as. But they've only just changed that. that formation, you know. It feels like all season he's been yeah, very true. wide, yeah. you know, and you know may, maybe it's been more attacking, and there had to be less tracking back, and that's changed in the last couple of weeks. It's almost gone to a four four two seemingly, but mm. you know, but he has been standing on the touchline the whole season, yeah. And I, I don't know. I just think a little bit more freedom for Salah, I think is is going to. Create more chances for him in some ways, but maybe you know, maybe look. They, they obviously have to look at the bigger picture. It just seems a strange player to sacrifice. Yeah,
0: you'd almost start with well, what's he happiest doing? And he's first in the pecking order, and then we'll we'll work, work from backwards there. from yeah, there. Exactly. It was quite interesting at one point when the game was really uh, Cook and Richie and, and Arsenal. They just looked younger. They looked hungrier. They looked fitter. They looked sharper. Just all the things we've been saying about Liverpool all season, and it was it was kind of amazing. Gary Neville made the observation mid commentary. He said, "Arsenal want the." Tempo of this game to keep up. Liverpool want to slow it down right now. You know that, that's what they and wanted, that was, and, and, and that, that was just, never
2: a hallmark. Yeah, oh, that was never a hallmark. The, Liverpool teams in the past five years that they the wanted the game to slow down. Yeah, yeah. It was it was always faster, faster, faster. Make the opposition make a mistake, uh, recover the ball, and then go straight on the attack. And then you use your Mo Salah or your, your Luis Diaz or Sadio Mane as well as, um, it's a really worrying situation for them because it's like. mentioned on on the show before it's it's not just that one area of the pitch or one area of the team is failing it's that their success was so built on everything humming at the same time and at the same frequency that if one part doesn't everything crumbles around it and that's the situation they're in now whereby they need to discover what's the part that's causing the failure and make sure that that doesn't spread to other parts of the pitch from then on but that seems like a very tricky process at the moment and because like nothing seems to be going right, their defence is, is playing horribly, their midfield looks to be aging visibly game by game on the mm. pitch. And then you have people like Mo Salah, who you could rely on for 20 30 goals a season, have suddenly become some of the most ineffectual people on the pitch. And that's a difficult thing for to try and get right. And to be like to a degree, I'd say Klopp is probably gammon for this World Cup to come along because it'll give him a four to six week period to work with a lot of the players who aren't necessarily going to it, yeah, and try and get things right and then plug in the people who come back from Qatar back into that system and, and hopefully hit the ground running in January and that's the best they can hope for Yeah, this
0: kind of a circuit breaker I would think at this point he's conceded the league and it's Champions League that's how we rescue our season and Or just win the Champions League
1: yeah. I thought you said concede the league and Champions League it was like it's a bit early to concede the, the Champions League Although
0: yeah. f- actually finishing in the Champions League place is obviously important as well Arsenal we're now relying on Arsenal to push Man City all the
1: way yeah, and look, every week God it looks. becomes more realistic. I think Arsenal have been—it's not the again, joke at one No, so. but, but look, and we had a lot that we were back and forth with texters on a couple of different days last week uh, talking about it. I still think it's realistic to say they're not a contender until they prove otherwise. Until they maybe you know go out and beat City, maybe or you know. But the run they're on is amazing. You know they've they've beaten Spurs and Liverpool in back to back weeks here. Yeah. Well. No, it's real. You know. So this is a this is a genuine. Yeah run a form that is very, very impressive. They look like the second-best team in the Premier League at the moment. And, uh, yeah, you know, who knows? They might make a title race of it, but we have to be realistic and say the chances are that's not going to happen. Yeah. They just... uh, Look, and don't forget as well, I think they played... um, They played Tommy Asso instead of Tierney Zinchenko yesterday. But other than that, that team is the same every week, which is a really good sign that they found their team. Yeah. But, like wait until Martinelli gets injured or Jesus gets injured Jesus or getting injured Odegaard a, a you know come off Odegaard think, as well you know? yeah yeah no it, they need a lot of luck
0: with injuries I guess that's true of everybody but they certainly do uh, we will talk about Arsenal in a bit more depth between 9 and 10 we are just about out of time Rich unless there's one last
2: story you want to bring us Yeah, that Red Bull one's interesting because we did have a a, a world champion crown at the weekend. Red Bull have been found guilty of breaking Formula 1's financial rules. The FAA has confirmed that the team which won the world championship last year when Max Verstappen controversially finished ahead of Lewis Hamilton exceeded the $145 million budget cap. Red Bull have been found to be in minor breach of the regulations. Punishments available to the sports governing body range from a reprimand to a fine to a deduction of driver's championship points. News of that punishment came after Max Verstappen wrapped up back to back F1 world titles he won yesterday's Japanese Grand Prix but was only confirmed as the 2022 champion when Ferrari's Charles Leclerc was demoted from second place down to third
0: how are we meant to
2: run a Formula 1 team on 145 million
0: (laughs) you try it damn salary cap holding back those uh, moguls there's uh, texting guys keep drinking the Kool-Aid we don't qualify in easy groups perhaps we'll qualify from a group of debt Jim and Dunboyne. did one of you two say that no, no. <laughs> I don't think anyone
1: said we were going to qualify, did they? No, <laughs> no I, don't I don't think, think anybody here said we were going Richie to Richie was saying that we will wi- win every other game and oh. handily enough, and then you never know what'll happen. I
2: had a handily enough is putting words <laughs> in my mouth, Michael. Six 0 well,
1: in in Athens in June.
0: <laughs> Forty five degree weather. <laughs> going to be hot in June. Uh, Jim in Dunboyne, maybe drinking the Kool Aid himself. Who knows? The real question somebody asked we're asking, is how unbearable has Nathan Murphy become since winning his own version of Mayor for Sam? Quite. To, to an expected degree, but
1: <laughs> incredibly unbearable.
2: Which is to say that he wasn't unbearable beforehand. Well, is, indeed. It's uh, inaccurate. All right? sorts of yeah. issues there.
1: He went to bed earlier than expected on Friday night, I think, which, uh, you know. It, did he? Yeah. None of us noticed, I don't think he. Only, <laughs> he told me that yesterday. All right, okay. <laughs> so, uh, what, uh, yeah. I, well, he did come back down one stage and I was like, where's your warning And he's like, oh, I went and put it in the room. You know, it's like, make sure, <laughs> make sure no one got their hands on it. <laughs> well, that's not a bad idea either. Uh, Well, you would have done that. The alternative is you walk around with it all night and that's not a great Well, I had to walk around with the show's one and they're bloody heavy. It was like carrying a dumbbell after a while. (laughs) Uh,
0: We are out of time. Michael, you're back in later on. Thank you for the time being. Richie, thank you.